This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 56 through 76. Page 56, the title page of Chapter 2 called Refugee, the meaning of which I hope should be fairly obvious to everyone. Most of the chapter covers were establishing shots, although I am kind of moving away from that in Chapter 6 and Chapter 7, and the prologue wasn't an establishing shot just because I kind of put that in later and didn't really have a game plan for it. As far as this page is concerned, it looks pretty goofy, kind of like Dr. Seuss gone berserk, and even though I think Dr. Seuss is pretty cool, I don't think that he would have been much happier with this page than I am. And yes, it does indeed look worse without the color, for those who want to know. Which is kind of a bummer, because this is the first page that we ever really get to see the new world, and it would have been nice if it actually looked alright. The only positive thing I can say about it is that the autumn colors do sort of come through in the coloring of the trees and the sky. Originally, I planned on having the dates between Earth and Terralith Brigir be different. I think it was going to be spring in the New World, but I decided not to do that for a couple of reasons. First of all, because it was just kind of confusing, and second of all, because I was never really all that specific about the dates, and so it didn't really seem all that necessary to establish that it was a different time of year or something. In the foreground of this page, you can also see the path that Mika is going to discover in a couple of pages. Page 57, this is the straw that broke the camel's back as far as the art style is concerned, and it's the last time you're going to see it, so don't get too attached to it. There's Mika and Yumiko in the foreground of panel 1, with a turd bush in the background. Mika wakes up and looks kind of like a chipmunk in panel 5. Although I do like panel 4 with the trees and the bird and the sky all in silhouette, you can see that I didn't actually fill the trees in Photoshop, I filled them with pen, because the black isn't solid, it's kind of uneven. The way that I was shading Falcon Twin from early chapter 1 up through this time was I would do the characters in blue pencil and then I would ink over top of them and then I would shade with the pencil and use these small paper rolls, tortillions, to smooth out the pencil. But the problem was that they would wear out and they would bend and they were inconvenient and I had to go buy new ones all the time and I just hated it. I also hated working with blue pencil too so I was really happy to get away from doing that. The blue pencil is kind of it doesn't behave like regular graphite. It's kind of waxy and doesn't erase right. It's very difficult to work with. So that was kind of the impetus behind changing the shading methods, and I think it worked out for the best, even though it takes a whole lot longer now. Page 58, I think you can see your kidneys. That's a movie reference, which hopefully some people will recognize because it's not a very obscure one, but I'm not going to tell you which movie it is because you have to tell me. Post it in the forums or something. Get involved. Obviously, you can see that I'm trying out a new style here that I took from Errant's story, uh, although obviously Poe is able to make it work much better for his comic than I was for mine. I actually still kind of like the way this looks, and it was certainly a whole lot faster. I could have made it work even faster still if I had worked on it up bit. Mika looks fairly good, actually through the entire page. In panel one, she looks particularly good. And panel three is still a personal favorite of mine with her crazy expression as she screams in pain. Uh, this just kind of reiterates the point that Mika's arm is useless, and she's kind of disoriented a little bit from the teleporter and from her injury. The blood on her arm, her left arm specifically, looks a little bit excessive for that wound. And if you look in the background on panel one, you can see that I was putting leaves in with Photoshop and, and Photoshop brushes. I still use a lot of different brushes in Photoshop, but hopefully a lot more subtly than I was using them here. Page 59, so disoriented Mika stands up, and the shading changes yet again. I really don't like this one at all. And hey, there's a path. How convenient. The thought bubbles in this page 
are kind of awkwardly aligned compared to the text. I moved away somewhat from the thought bubbles to thought boxes. I don't use them exclusively, but thought bubbles I only use when someone is having conscious thoughts about something. But when something is more felt than it is thought, then I use the boxes. The backgrounds in this page are fairly weak, although at least they're there, which is more than I can say for most of the pages in chapter one. You know, a lot of people wonder what happened to Yumiko in this scene. So page 60. The shading looks kind of similar to the previous page, although in this case I was using gradients instead of solid fills for all the highlights in the shading. For some reason I used to actually sort of like it, but these days looking back I don't like anything about it at all. Although I do like panel 3 and panel 5 on this page. Panel 3 with the silhouette of Mika and all the bright light, and then the panel 5 with the bird, which is very small, so I guess it's hard to screw it up. Mika calls for help, still in Japanese, but it appears that she's alone. Although, turn the page to page 61 and you'll see that she is not. We have another page, another style. This one is not so good either. Especially if you look on panel 2, you can see the edge of the highlights in Mika's hair is not very even at all. So, we see the bandits, Mr. Clean, and a deranged Boy Scout, who I swear to God I didn't plan to look like that, but after I drew it and looked at it, I realized that I had drawn Mr. Clean and a deranged Boy Scout. And they talk about Mika looking kind of strange. This seems a little bit on the nose. I don't know how I could have done it any better, though. It reinforces that there aren't any Asian people in this world where Mika's landed. I've always felt a little uncomfortable with it, in the sense that some people might interpret it as being racist, but... No one really ever seemed to be all that offended by it, and I've kind of turned it into a running joke. People throughout these trip mention that Mika looks kind of weird. And of course, it's not like Mika has no prejudices of her own, as you can see by her reaction in panel 2 to the look of the two bandits. Page 62, this style I tried to take from Loveria, the comic that ended a year or so ago. And I think it's probably the weakest of the bunch, at least so far. It also is so very light that it stands out in sharp contrast to the dialogue, which is very dark. Of course, I probably could have fixed this in about uh, 10 seconds using the level commands, but for whatever reason, I didn't. Anyway, Mika switched to English now because the two bandits have spoken to her in English, and Mr. Clean's mouth in the last panel looks very strange. These guys are kind of pricks when you think about it, since they're picking on someone in her condition. But you know what they say, what goes around comes around. Page 63, uh, another movie reference in the title. This was supposed to look like Ink Wash based on, I forget, some other comic that I can't remember which one it was right now. Without actually using Ink Wash and without having a copy of Painter, achieving an Ink Wash look in Photoshop is pretty difficult, and I didn't accomplish it at all. I'd say this was probably tied with the previous page for the worst shading of this little experiment. There's a thing in this page that's not explicitly stated, but I think most people probably would have picked up on it, which is that these bandits don't recognize that the bills that Mika handed them are money. So, not recognizing that she's given them all her money, which, if you look, actually isn't very much, the situation gets a whole lot worse for Mika. I've always sort of wondered how scenes like this play out, because it seems like the tension of, you know, someone actually being at risk isn't really there, considering that you know kind of how things are going to end up for Mika and everyone else in the prologue. I don't know. It didn't seem to bother anyone. It doesn't bother me too much. Page 64, another movie reference in the title. I'm not going to tell you what it is. So this was the page on which I made my fateful decision to shade it the way that I still do, unfortunately, because it takes so long. 
and things go from bad to worse for Mika. It seems like these guys really were going to kill her, although it seems kind of unnecessary to me since she would probably die on her own if they didn't do anything to her at all. But like I said, they're pricks and want to speed up the process, I guess. The last panel is kind of interesting on this page with the big blown out light behind Mika. It looks very artsy and pretentious. Page 65, there's another very obscure movie reference in the title of this page. I'm sure absolutely no one has any idea what that's from. And someone comes to the rescue for Mika. I sort of went to town with the curves command on this page. If you look at the highlights in Mika's hair, especially on the last panel, you can see it goes from dark to bright to dark to bright again. And that's just because I was fooling around too much with the levels command and made the highlights look kind of strange. I do like the way that Mr. Clean goes, what the hell, when Tresca's saying nasty things to them, as if he's genuinely taken aback that someone would say all these nasty, insulting things to him without any provocation, which is exactly what he's just been doing to Mika. Tresca's dialogue in this page is kind of lame. I can't really talk smacks, so as a result, I guess Tresca can't either. But these guys rise to the bait regardless, so page 66, more taunting. I really like the title of this page. It's not a movie reference, but it ties in pretty well with the dialogue. If you look in the second panel, you can see that Mika's starting to look a little bit relieved now as a result of this random person coming up to help her. If you look in the previous page, too, you can see the way her expression sort of changes over the panels. And Mika doesn't look quite so relieved once they drop her, and I just love the expression on her face in that panel. I don't know how that's funny, a person in extreme pain, but it is. And the backs of the bandits, as they run off, Mika looks up to see the very impressive, page 67, Tresca. She's back, bringing along another subtle reference in the title of the page, and fairly decent anatomy on this page, at least for the time, although Tresca does look a little bit gangly. She's, her legs are kind of skinny. As I mentioned in the comments below, this was a page that I made as the big fires were burning their way through San Diego at the time. I was not really paying attention to the news. I never really do, actually. And I was busy drawing the page, and the light from the sky sort of got that orange color that it gets when there's a big fire. And so eventually I started to get a little concerned about it, and I got up and checked to see what was going on. And sure enough, the entire county was on fire pretty much. So I packed up and boxed everything up and took it all down to my car and then came back up in the apartment and sat down to draw a falcon twin until someone told me to evacuate. And fortunately, no one ever did, but it was kind of interesting being in my apartment with just me, the drawing board, the page and the pencils, and not a hell of a lot else. And there I was drawn away as the rest of San Diego was burning up. About the only positive thing I can say about the fires is that school was canceled for the rest of the week, so at least I got that. And of course the fires caused immense damage in San Diego County. Fortunately, no one that I knew suffered any losses, but uh, a bunch of people did lose their homes. So this is a page that actually should be fairly important for the story, but it doesn't remind me of the story at all just because of the fires that were going on at the time. Page 68, the fight begins between Tresca and the bandits. The shading has been improving a little bit on this page, and actually on the page before it too. I used to really like the way Tresca looked in panel 4, but now it doesn't impress me quite as much as it used to. And of course Tresca is completely outclassing these guys. Page 69, the Olacranon process. If you don't know what that is, go on Google Images and look it up. More ass-kicking from Tresca, who looks actually fairly good on this page, except for her smile in panel 4, which was supposed to be just her grinning mischievously, but it looks kind of like she has an orange wedge in her mouth or something. A really strange smile. The shading in panel 5 is quite good. You notice the shadow from the guy's arm on Tresca's knee, and also the 
wrinkles on the shorts, which look pretty good. And I very much like the x-ray vision in panel six, which I haven't really had an opportunity to use since then. Well, actually, that's not true. I probably could have used it in one or two places since then, but it's sort of a one-off gimmick thing. I don't think I'd want to use it regularly. And if you know anything about these bones, you can tell that Tresca really fucked this guy up. But as, of course, we learn later on, the standards are kind of different between this world and our world as far as what being really fucked up entails. You can see also in this page that Tresca still has her knife, which, as I said, is something that I kept until about halfway through Chapter 4. Page 70, the thought boxes from Mika make an appearance. These might be the first appearance of them in the entire strip, although I'm not entirely sure about that. The faces still need a whole lot of work if you look at this page. And the dialogue in the thought boxes begins to expose Mika's feelings towards Tresca. Page 71, there's some interesting lighting things here. Panel 1 with Tresca being lit from behind and mostly in silhouette, which sort of gave me an excuse to not draw some of the details. You can see stuff missing if you look very closely. And the lighting from beneath in panel 3 also looks very good. The double faces in panel 4 do look very dumb, though. And it was something that, even as I was finishing shading it, I realized wasn't going to work. And I did my best, but I don't think that you can make that work if you aren't doing something very broad with the shading. If you're getting real detailed with it, it isn't going to work. There are hearts in the dialogue bubble again in the last panel, which, gosh, I hope it's the last time. And a little bit of very subtle character development on Tresca because she really likes money. Page 72, another movie reference, which is getting kind of so pointless to bring up that maybe I should just stop mentioning it altogether. Mika and Tresca look kind of all right in the last two panels. Actually, Mika looks pretty good in the second to last panel. Mika still has a blood stain on her cheek from Yumiko running her finger along it at the end of chapter one. I think I actually managed to keep that little bit of continuity consistent almost all the way through. There was one panel a couple of pages back where I forgot it, but otherwise I think I managed to nail that. And if you look in the last panel, you can see a little bit of a shadow that Tresca is casting in the light that is around her. Page 73, Tresca introduces herself. This was an interesting page because some people weren't really even sure that it was the same person in this scene as you saw in, in the prologue. And I just have no idea how you could have not recognized that because her hair is the same, her face is kind of the same, she's got the same clothes, she's got the same headband. I mean... What more do you need, like a you know a piece of text right on her forehead or something with her name? It just that's one of those times where I just have no idea how someone could miss something like that. Nice detail on Mika's shoulder wound there in the second panel. Tresca picks up Mika's money and again doesn't really recognize it as money because she offers to give it back. Page seventy-four. About the only positive thing I can say about this page really is the exasperated look from Mika on the last panel, which is kind of funny. There's also a nice detail thing to pay attention to in the third panel where Tresca's got Mika's cell phone. The cell phone has a text message on it from Yumiko wishing Mika a happy birthday. It also has a teddy bear hanging off the side of the cell phone, which is a match to Yumiko's teddy bear that she had uh, on her earring. And if you look very closely at the cell phone, you can see that there's no signal strength either. And how did Tresca get Mika's cell phone, you may ask? Well, she's a thief, as will be explained well, quite a few pages from now. Page 75, the art is kind of falling apart on this page, although I do like the panel with Mika looking out of the edge of it, kind of beyond the reader, which is sort of an interesting effect. I still think it looks pretty good. It is, in a way, sort of ridiculous that Tresca expects Mika to walk on her own to town uh, a full hour away, 
but really Tresca just doesn't want to get involved. Page 76, so down Mika goes, and this is the other time that I mentioned in the prologue that I screwed up the thought bubbles where Tresca is thinking instead of speaking, and I think hopefully it's the last time. So Mika loses consciousness, and I'm about to also, so we're going to stop here for this time and talk about another scene later. So there.